Welcome to the Axe Chain, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business at Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Acadia University is a member of the Maple League of Universities, an association of premier, primarily undergraduate universities that consistently rank highest for educational quality in Canada. The School of Business at Acadia University is named after Fred C. Manning, the first person in Canada to receive the honor of having a business school named after him. To learn more about Acadia University and the business school, please visit acadiau.ca and business.acadiau.ca. And now, on to the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Axe Change podcast. And today we have a special one, actually. As you can probably tell if you're watching this, it is a first video one, and we're coming to you from Fredericton. Uh, so we're not in the studio this time. We're uh, actually coming to meet our special guest today, Francis McGuire. Francis? Hi. Thank you for coming out today. And no problem. Here. Um, so you are um, quite a prominent figure in Atlantic Canada. I mean, you, you you hold a um, a really developmental and I say beneficial role to the economy at uh, your company here, ACOA, which is Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency. And um, can you just give us a brief description of that so we have some context setting here? So I've been here for 18 months after 15 years in the private sector. And before that, I was Deputy Minister of Economic Development in New Brunswick. Uh, but ACOA does a whole number of things. It finances a lot of startups. Right. It finances expansions. It's really focused lately on two particular areas. Uh, one is labor market development. Just, you know, what do we have to do? We're now faced, for the first time in our history uh, with huge uh, skill shortages at every okay. level of our society. Yeah. So now we're into the people business as well as in helping uh, communities and or uh, uh, businesses expand. And, awesome. and so a lot of it's taken us into the new technologies, uh, automation, robotics, analytics, uh, where we're really trying to help uh, people understand that they need to do this because this is relatively new for our business communities and others. So we're, we're in the midst of a huge cultural change, yes. which I think for, whoops, there goes my phone. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, so I want to take it back to your, your university days. Yeah. So um, just starting out and going from there. So you had a, uh, a degree or your master's, well, I said originally your uh, bachelor's of arts from, from Dal. Yeah. Right? And then off to your uh, studying, was it? Uh, in Paris. In Paris, yeah. right. And then international affairs in uh, Washington. Where yeah. You got your masters. So I'm very curious. You you did all those um, at the beginning of the '70s, like uh, right in order. Um, when you were going through that, did you have your sights set on wanting to go into politics, or like did you have a, a career path in mind? And like, where were your, your motivations, or were right. you just kind of yeah. falling a whim? I have no idea, no plan. Didn't know what I was gonna do. And yeah. Most of my life didn't. Uh, People kind of describe me to, to myself. They say the thing that really kind of drives a lot. I'm a very curious person. Yes. And so when I went to university, took my BA was if it was boring. I quit. I got out, did something else, and I actually have to go beg them to say, "Listen, I put all these things to there. Would you give me a degree?" And okay. so it's just if it's not interesting, I ain't doing it. Yeah. And that probably describes my life. 
Uh, I've had maybe two jobs uh, that after six months I uh, hate this yeah. uh, and just went out and tried something else. And right. most of it has been accidents. Uh, and so for those young people out there that think, gee, I, I have to have a plan, yeah. I never had a plan. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of, okay, but I was always curious. Yeah. And I have, I'm one of these people that go to Disneyland, I'm always saying, well, how did they, why did they place that story here? Yeah. And how do they get the merchandise up here? Some people are looking for the rides and stuff. I'm like, how's this it organized? Wondering what's going on yeah. behind the scenes. And so that's been me and everything. That's yeah. why I love this job. I'm talking about all kinds of businesses. And it's kind of, geez, it's, it's interesting. So I ended up getting, yeah. then I got a scholarship in France to go study European politics. I said, oh, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. Uh, with no plan. Uh, actually went to Johns Hopkins and did international relations. And that was the time of the Watergate uh, hearings. Okay. And, and uh, I was, you know, it was a Vietnam War, so I was very anti-American. And I was thinking, well, if I'm anti-American, I should probably, I've never really spent some time there. Mm. Maybe I'll go live there for two years and I'll give me a sense. So right. that was more the motivation to, it. I didn't even know that uh, the school, uh, which is the School of Advanced International Studies, is one of the three best schools in the world. I had no idea. Really? I was just kind of like, ah, oh, that sounds like you, a good place like, to oh. go. You got to find that out, but like, oh, that's convenient. Well, yeah, yeah, it was. And, I, and I was fortune. dead lucky, because it's a very expensive school, but yeah. I was there because I went, I was curious, etc. And I got called in uh, two months after I started by the dean. And I said, mm. what did I do wrong? Uh, anyway, I showed up and said, by the way, you got a full scholarship. Uh, and I said, really? How come? He said, you're the only one eligible. <laughs> you're the okay. only one for Canada or what? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, exactly. And so sometimes it's just luck, but it's kind of yeah. like I just did things I thought were going to be interesting. Yeah. And if I'm bored... You know, I just, I don't like being bored. And yeah. I just go do, find something else. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, I find a lot of like uh, my peers and, and students and maybe millennials as a whole get very fearful. First and foremost, because they're, they're scared they don't have a path and a clear cut game plan. And maybe they don't have particular skills as well. But I really like how you emphasize that you don't need to have this this whole kit figured yeah. out. It's it's more just like a, a curiosity, a desire to learn, yeah. which is awesome in the, in the information age. It's so rich. But, uh, but for people, by the way, a lot of anxiety comes with that because when you finish yes. that and you don't know what you're going to do next, I totally sympathize with you get very nervous, very worried, very kind of yeah. self-critical, saying what's wrong with me, etc. Yeah. But that's normal, yeah. and, and typically you get over it. But, yeah. but don't be surprised if that's part of your experience too, saying, what do you mean I'm graduating and I have no idea what I'm going to do yeah. and how I'm going to do things. It's part of life. And exactly. Scary. And it is a motivator and you show the benefit of, you know, through the anxiety you just keep going. And so through those first two jobs, um, I mean, it was only what, uh, it wasn't even 10 years between when you graduated in Washington and then started as Deputy Minister of Economic Development in New Brunswick. So like... Did, was that like another job you moved into in politics and it kind of <laughs> no, lit the light yeah. there that you wanted to no, follow it's, that? It's a story of accidents. So I started, my first job was with a bank, which okay. I did for a year and a half, which is excellent because I learned a lot of technical things on right. balance sheets and finance and yeah. stuff. Uh, then that was in Montreal. Moved back to Nova Scotia to work for the Council of Maritime Premiers. And that was the first time I was ever exposed as a bureaucrat to what happens uh, in in the political realm, because mm -hmm. 
uh, I remember my boss, like, you'd get meetings of the three premiers that would have private conversations and stuff, and I was allowed to go in and sit. And I remember what my, uh, Emery Fanjoy, when my boss says, listen, you're privileged because you're going to listen to what really happens behind closed yeah. doors, but you keep your mouth shut, your eyes open, and your ears open. Yeah. And that's what I did. And it was fascinating. And, and you know, I'm saying, wow, so that's how things really happen. Yeah. Uh, and I went from there to MBTEL, which at that yeah. time despised, hated it. Uh, for what reasons of, is that? Oh, just a bunch of engineers. And, you know, yeah, engineers in the early days. You're going to build it me. first before it's glorious. Yeah, it, uh, I, to me it, was, you know, it wasn't stuff. Ended up uh, working on the hill. Uh, then 84, uh, I just left uh, there, went to work for, as the executive assistant to CN because when I was in Ottawa, I was responsible politically for the, the uh, Crown Corporations. Yeah. Uh, and when Mulroney got elected, I was fired the next month. Uh, and so ended up with, oh, oh now what do I do? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I worked on the Hill for an MP, Mogal Nu, who uh, ran against uh, uh, Claude Ryan for the federal yeah. leadership in Loss. He became president of the bank, uh, the, uh, uh, the bank in Quebec quit and so but I, I did that for a year and started working part-time for Frank McKenna yeah. as a, a, and then got talked to coming down here because of my political background uh, as his director of communication and research which means polling so because I've done a lot of I, you know when I was a student I worked a lot for the National Film Board yeah. uh, I did all those kind of like eclectic doesn't make any sense you yeah know? you don't see the point now but it's awesome it, it but it's all experiences because it was interesting you kind of get into oh okay what did I learn here yeah uh, don't know what I'm gonna do with it but yeah I need to learn and it's got to be stuff learning same when I worked on the hill uh, yeah. I learned that and so started working for Frank McKenna when he was the leader of the opposition okay I came here in 85 because we thought the election would be there and then finally the election was 87 uh, and with Frank uh, started out as his deputy minister of intergovernmental affairs because I'd actually done a lot of constitution constitutional okay. law at uh, SICE and stuff so uh, was working on uh, the Meech Lake Accord yeah uh, that didn't go so well uh, but one day Frank called me and said, you know, um, what would you think about going to economic development? And at that point, I also had all the federal provincial uh, agreements, which there's a lot of money, a lot of things. And I said, well, Frank, I don't know. I went home and asked my wife, said, do you, right. do you think I should do that? She looked at me and said, Francis, do you think you have any choice? Do you think you shouldn't do it? Well, like, it wasn't that. The, pre the premier just asked you. Yeah. He was just being nice. He was just <laughs> telling you, you you're going to do this. So I said, oh, yeah, I guess I got So yeah. went into commerce and then got tourism. So did yeah. that for, well, from 87 to 98. Frank left, I left. Went to work for an IT company uh, here. Because at that point I had to decide. I had job offers in Quebec uh, with Canada Air. Cause yeah people I, I knew and, and so working on the new aircraft by the yeah. way uh, or stay in the maritime so I made a choice because usually in life you, you I say to people in their careers there's two ways to run your life you either follow a, a career and then you go to wherever it takes you so if you have yeah. to go to Chicago or you go yeah. uh, or you pick a place you want to live and then you got to find a fine career find a career yeah. Two very different approaches to life, and the first part of my life, 
I did the, the, the first, you know, so going yeah. to wherever was interesting, where there was a chance, it was Montreal, it was Ottawa, it was Halifax. The second part, by the time I got to 1998, was, no, no, I, I, I don't Just, want to work in Toronto. I don't want to work okay. there, so I've got to find a job here. So I worked yeah. for an IT company, which was very successful. Uh, but then uh, those IT companies were part of uh, MBTEL and... And when they merged all the companies, there was four companies, yeah. and it was pretty clear that, uh-oh, they're going to integrate these four, and so there's going to be a whole bunch layoffs. of executives layoffs. Yeah. So I had dinner with Frank McKenna again and, and said, geez, Frank, I better start looking for a new job. And he said, yeah. well, I'm the, since I left, I'm the co-chair of this company called Major Drilling, and it's a, it's a, they have some issues, why don't you apply for the CEO? I said, Frank, well, I don't know anything about drilling. He said, Francis, you don't know anything about tourism, call centers. Yeah, really. What, what's your problem? I said, yeah, hey, you got a problem. Makes you sense. got a point. Yeah. So I went to Major Drilling, and, uh, you know, we were there for 15 years, and we grew from $100 million to an $800 million company. Uh, and then did it for 15 years, got tired, retired for 18 months, and then got convinced, Frank was part of that too, convinced to come back here to Ocoa. To Ocoa. So it's kind of like, you know, there's no clear path uh, no. anywhere there. No. But it was always, why would I come back here? Well, it could be interesting. It could, uh, be, interesting. It could be some stuff, there's yeah. fun things and new directions. Yeah. Uh, so... It boils down to that it's it's an experience. And yeah. when there's an opportunity in front of you, you can't afford to be that picky. But, so I'm curious when you stepped in back in was it in '85 or '87 that you started with Frank? As I said '85. '85, yeah. Um, and you started was it tourism that you started in '87 or uh, no? There? I took uh, in '87 took Meach Lake. Okay. Uh, in '89 took over economic development. Okay. And in '91 yeah. tourism was added to it. Right. I see. So I mean that was what like three decades now. So a lot has evolved in New Brunswick since then, and through the '80s and '90s was a period of a lot of growth in New Brunswick. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I wasn't around for it, but that is when I was here. I heard it was it was quite prosperous. However, um, what was the state of of matters in Atlantic Canada back then? Because I mean, we didn't have IT. I mean, was it all energy and, and potatoes, or no, and then no. what did you guys focus on it, there? It, like a, a, again, a lot of it was accidents, uh, and you sometimes you know you you make a point of. I always call it like putting mines down. You don't know who's mm. going to step on which one where, but put lots of mines. So yeah. the two things that really drove thing was IT. Uh, for some reason, I, and it's funny, uh, we were the very first people to understand the power of the internet like the implications the yeah and i remember and again here's another example frank and i were talking about geez you know we got to do something there and so he was giving a speech wednesday uh, to state of the province and he phoned up that e the evening before he said you know we've been talking about that but we really need to focus so we should set up a, a secretariat on the information highway okay. we've got to build the infrastructure with MBTEL, we've got to get IT companies and stuff, yeah. and so we should put a minister there to give it some focus, and we should give, you know, uh, some uh, some bureaucratic uh, support, yeah. financing, and he said, what do you think of the idea? I think it's brilliant. He said, good, because you're in charge. Click. Yeah. And I said, whoa, just a minute. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. uh, there's no plan here, there's no nothing, to just go out there, get that done. But that's where it started. And, yeah. and I remember our ED&T was the department then, 
And we were the very first department in the world to use the internet as our uh, as our own internal uh, stuff. So for you guys, mm -hmm. the, you can't remember the days before internet. Yeah. I remember the first day. Gee, what the is first this? day. Okay, guys, here we go. And, and I still remember the first uh, internet service provider uh, yeah. that we set up with UMB. And because we couldn't talk MBTEL into doing it. Okay. Six so, months later, when MBTEL saw that UMB didn't know how to do this, they stepped in and took it over. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, but, but we started that. So part of it was we're just reading the newspapers and seeing what's happening with yeah. this technology and said it's something. And then we started financing startups. Mm -hmm. I remember those years, we would spend about, we had a program that if you could write a business plan in IT, we'd give you a hundred thousand uh, bucks. And we would be spending about eight million dollars a year. And I remember the controller coming up to us saying, uh, you know, we're just looking at stuff. You do zero follow-up on all these companies. Mm. Uh, you know, that's terrible management. I said, no, it's not. Because uh, in startups, we know 90% are going to fail. Yeah. And so why follow them? We just know that's the case. That's the odds anyway. you have to understand we're not a venture capitalist. We're a government. And what we're really trying to do is get all these young people into these IT jobs. Yeah, so you don't want to discriminate. No, no, not that. It's it's more Machiavelli than that. If I get you into that, and you work there for a couple of years, now you're in the industry, which okay. is getting people in. Yeah. And typically, by that time, and we're still doing that today, you found a boyfriend, girlfriend, etc. Yeah. And now you're stuck here, and you're, you're not leaving. Building your life. And right. we're building. We're building a workforce. Yeah. And so if you take yourself saying, I'm not a venture capitalist, but I'm building a workforce giving people the first opportunity to go work in this field, they might start up a business and fail and start up another business, or they might be in that business but go work for another company that's more successful. <clears throat> and so you, you had a strategy, if you would, but it was, I, I call it flooding the, the backfield. Yeah. And it just, so. Um, with the, a lot of these startups, I'm curious, was it big companies like NBTEL or like international corporations developing the internet? Or you said like UMB, was that just a, a couple like engineering students tinkering around? Yeah. 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 So um, I don't know, a lot of the startups, I mean, just curious, what would be like the age of them? Would they be like under 30, over 30, the like people running Ty these? Are they Typically in those days and still today, they're under 30s. Yeah. But not only. Okay, uh, but that would be the big majority, and, and we yeah. still do the same thing at, at, at ACOA. We kind of, you know, if it makes some sense, uh, so we take fairly big risk, uh, and we know that we're going to lose some. But the idea is to attract people into the industry. So cybersecurity these yeah. days, so that's a relatively new in in importance. Yeah. So it's kinda, okay, how do we get people into that industry? Because one of the problems that the Atlanta Canada has there are so many good jobs today it's, it's yeah. what's very different between 1991 and today in 1991 there literally were thousands of hard-working intelligent well-educated people who just couldn't get any kind of job okay uh, and so in those days was less bring companies in let's yeah. get startups etc it's radically different today I see the today uh, there are not enough of anything. There yeah. are not enough of people working in accounting, in, in IT, not enough chambermaids, not enough people working in hospitals. 
uh, yeah. one of the biggest shortages, one of the, the problems the airlines have here in terms of service, not planes. They can't get pilots. pilots. Really? Pilot shortages everywhere. And so would that that be for international companies? No, though, no, for, no, for everybody. Okay. It, well, it, I just meant for the pilots yeah. like Air Canada type thing. Get, to understand how... So JDI, so this is Jim Irving, yeah. just Jim Irving, not as not as uh, not oil, etc. They are looking to fill in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, a total of ten thousand jobs over the next uh, twenty four months. Are these at factories or in offices? All over the place. They're everything wow. from IT workers to accountants to marketing people to truck drivers to people in the Kent stores. Okay, it, it's dramatic, and in things like. Uh, so one of the biggest industries, and if you're in Wolfville, uh, in Atlantic Canada, is the whole food industry. Mm. I've never yeah. thought of it in terms of, start with blueberries, right, to potatoes, fish, aquaculture. It's the, one of our biggest industries, and yeah. we're getting massive investments right now going in. But uh, So we did a, a review of all the big and smaller companies in, in agriculture. Number one issue? We, we thought it'd be marketing, new products, R and D, something. Mm. Lack of labor. Number two problem is uh, mechanization. So I don't have labor. I've got to get robots. Yeah. I was up, uh, and, uh, and number three is is transportation. So, okay, but then you, you get into uh, even robots. Well, who's going to design these? What kind of people uh, work on these things? Uh, or in food, one of the biggest shortages is people of quality assurance. So what's quality assurance? Okay. Chemistry, biology background. Yeah. And I tell people like uh, that are at, uh, uh, at Acadia, the nice thing if you work for a food company and you're in quality assurance, they've got to take you on all the sales missions yeah. because people want to know about quality, et cetera. So yeah, that means you're going yeah. to Barcelona once a year and you party your bum right off. Talk about that right. for an appealing job description. But it is. It, it, yeah. You go to Brussels and you just, you know. I know a couple of guys that work in that industry. Yeah. Like, they are party animals, but they're serious. Yeah, know. they're dedicated to the yeah. work. So for universities are evidently so flush, and we have the highest concentration of universities in Atlantic Canada than the entire country, almost the continent. Um, like, how are we... Like, where's the struggle with retaining all these young youth looking for jobs and, and versus them fleeing the nest? So everybody, yeah, business, governments, do a horrible job telling people, here's some opportunities. Here's yeah, the opportunity. Absolutely, because this is like a lot of the first time I'm hearing this. I know. This is the thing. It, it's, so, like, we're about to spend a million dollars on an ad campaign saying, here's, like, yeah. go into quality assurance, go into... Uh, robotics go into if you look at uh, Dell at, at Truro they, they, they have a whole department specializing in how to mechanize uh, agriculture okay uh, so there's all these kind of areas so food is a huge area we have big areas in, in defense uh, industries which is everything from robotics to you name it yeah uh, IT like cybersecurity like people don't realize that IBM's World headquarters for uh, for uh, uh, cyber detection is Fredericton, New Brunswick. Really? Yeah, exactly. So and, and yeah, so yeah. that's like their cybersecurity branch, which is, would well, be one of the biggest. So there's two. There's encryption, which they okay. do a lot in Waterloo, etc. But there's the detection, like so their detection center of excellence. They have two. The leading one is Fredericton. The second one's in Israel. Wow. And so 
you know, and they are just crying to, to uh, take people in. Yeah. And so there's that, there's JDI, there's the food industries, and take agriculture. So we're going to get $500 million of investment on the South Shore of, uh, of Newfoundland over the next two years, just two years. Uh-huh. So we have uh, two Norwegian companies coming in, putting that, plus Cook's Agriculture. Yeah. Uh, people kind of think of sea cages as, uh, yeah, okay, you just kind of grow out there, throw some stuff in. So that's not what they are. Mm. They are full of sensors. Yeah. So sensor it's technology. It's like a petri dish almost. It's in the ocean. Well, if you need to measure acidity in the water, uh, currents, temperature, and, uh, and somebody's got to yeah. build these, maintain these sensors. Uh, and you look at ocean industries, so we just announced uh, what we're, uh, that major super cluster. And people say, well, what is it? Well, it's sonars, it's acoustics, yeah. it's uh, and a lot of the industries are um, are uh, simulation because mm-hmm. you got to train people, do things, and if you can, by the way, you would prefer never to put a person out in an oil rig uh, mm-hmm. and do everything remotely. So now all of a sudden, where are the technologies on communication, uh, on remote operations, on robots on these things yeah. and so the the oil and gas industry is trying to reduce from 150 people out there to 75 yeah but with but who are the technicians and the engineers and stuff are going to do that all these jobs people are just like well trying to bring them in as immigrants or trying yeah. to recruit people and so there's all this happening and yes we do employers do a terrible job and we're trying to tell them you know, why don't you go to the schools and, and the universities and do a better job mm. of telling people? Yeah. And you know, yes, there's some jobs that being a salesperson and manager at the Kent store, which is not a bad thing to do, but there's some really interesting things. But it seems like that's the one you hear about the most, though, is yeah. being like the manager at the Kent store. Yeah. Which is another wrong book, by the way. Great place to get an education. Absolutely. You're listening to The Axe Change the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration, Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Podcast host Brent McNeil interviews Francis McGuire, president of the Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency, former CEO of major drilling group International, and an inductee of the New Brunswick Business Hall of Fame. In 2013, Francis McGuire was Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year. And so, in talking to Jerry Pond, uh, I was asking him a lot of the same questions with the Atlantic Canadian economy. How are we going to evolve? Because, I mean, our, our, our massive boom was in IT right through the 2000s um, and natural resources as well. So I asked him, how are those going to work together and where is that going to go? And he said exactly that. He, he was using, like, McCain's potatoes, for example. Um, they'll use mechanization of, of new technologies uh, detecting bad potatoes. And that will come from IT developed in, in Atlantic Canada, in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. Um, do you do you have uh, data or, or see that happening, say, with the sensors that cook aquaculture and these new aquaculture plants in Newfoundland? Are they using tech from Atlantic Canada, or is it international they, they use any tech from anywhere in the world. But all of these technologies still have lots of lots of holes in them. And yes. so they're always looking at how to fill them, et cetera, what do I do? So they, they will use any technology. Okay. Uh, the nice thing is that, Typically, and McCain, see, McCain's has 
a vice president of research and development in Florenceville. Yeah. He spends all his time going around to see all these. So their investment, they put five or six million dollars into Resin, uh, which is a local company startup out of UMB okay. that uses drones with uh, uh, infrared imaging, etc., to detect uh, where outbreaks of disease are happening. So yeah. they can pinpoint it to a couple of yards. And so instead of going and spreading, uh, spraying the whole field, they just spray that little area. Yeah. So they're using technology to not only have better detection, but also that way they use less chemicals. Yeah. And so it's cheap. Uh, so now I don't have to spray three acres because of three square yards. So yeah. they're using technology out of UMB and it's drone, imaging, infrared, the, the stuff, the toys they're playing with, anyways, yeah. like up in the yeah. residence, right? Yeah. Like one of the most advanced companies on analytics, robotics, etc., is Beausoleil Oysters. Go figure. The, really? Yeah. Like their own R and D. Well, they, they their whole voyage through mechanization, data analytics, mm. robotics, uh, they can now and quality. They can now they buy from fifty farms. They have their own farms, and they can trace uh, a, an oyster from the farm to the plate in Japan. Okay. Because somebody realized that an oyster is like your thumbprint. It's it's like a every single one's different. Yep. So as they go through, if you start putting up, first you mechanize. Yeah. But then the second thing was, well, since they're all different, how about we put a, uh, an optical eye in each one of the machines so we can trace when they get washed, when they get sorted, yep. et cetera. And then where we put them in inventory, exact, yeah. so we know exactly what we have. Uh, and that's just because we started putting op, uh, an optical lens. First we mechanized, then we put optical lens to follow each one of these. Uh, and then we actually get robots to pack them. Uh, oh, yeah. Put them in uh, stuff because we can't find labor. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, now we need data analytics. Yeah. And so they've got a propeller heads yeah. uh, in the oyster industry. Yeah. This is where the world's going. Yeah. And, and, and so people would say, well, I'm not going to go work at oysters. Yeah. Uh, guess what? It's the same thing with apples, the same thing with potatoes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it, the, you know, the quality assurance, you know, what you do with uh, chemicals and stuff. These are really fascinating yeah. industrial I mean, like, don't get caught up in the product. It's not all about oysters. It's about the yeah. machines and these processes and everything. And stuff, yeah. yeah. So uh, I was saying that one of the things to, because we're not doing a good job, one thing we're doing with uh, Mount A and then the Brunswick Business Council, and I don't know what you do with those, we, we're actually, they're hiring a bus. They're taking 40 kids, students, sorry, old, young people, yeah, uh, put them in the bus and say, we're going to drive you around to a bunch of these companies so you can see what they're doing. Yeah. It's a huge success. The yeah. kids are coming out saying, she's, to your point, I had no idea that this is going on. Yeah. I had no it's idea the technology that people are using and trying to implement, et cetera, and the, the quality of the jobs uh, that are here. And so we, we've got to do more of that, and employers have to get into. My belief is that the best thing you can do is run these bus tours uh, in every university and take them out to, to companies. You, you, know, you just got to spend an hour, an hour and a half, yeah. and see what they're doing and say, Whoa, that's uh, yeah. that's really, uh, ooh, there's there's a little clip, the dumb little thing with uh, there's a guy up here just outside of Fredericton makes drumsticks like for drums, yeah. uh, 
and he wasn't producing very much and it was going bankrupt and so we got him to work with the Bathurst Community College to develop a machine that would actually do this much more efficiently and, yeah. and make more so that he would make ten times more sticks. But now he's actually selling uh, not a drumstick, he's selling ten different kinds at different prices. His wow. margins, your business student, his mm. margins on some are really, his margins on others are, you know, Yeah, minor, low, but, but it also his production is ten times higher than it used to be. Yeah. That's a drumstick maker. It's a drumstick And because maker. he adopted technology. And the guys at the Bathurst Community College got a contract to build this stuff and develop it. That's awesome. That, that's the stuff that's going on. Yeah, that's the fascinating things. Good? Be, right now we're running at a high temp, so we keep shutting off. Okay, well, just, I mean, like, let us know, and, yeah. and we can just repeat the question. Okay. So with all this growth and the the sensors and cook aquaculture and the revolutioning revolutionizing of industries through tech, uh, I'm very curious the role you guys play in that, and also more oriented in in and obviously entrepreneurship, but also like students and and people around like the millennials, I should say, broaden it. Um, so yeah, what are you guys' activities there, and I mean like how do you scope that out and and judge these? So, you know, there's only so much you can do. So probably 50% of what we do is financing industry to do robotics and automation, etc. Okay. So we, we, we work that in. Uh, we fund a lot of, uh, first, the incubators we fund. Okay. Uh, we fund a lot of university programs, research programs, and we fund a lot of startups uh, okay. as well. So that's a, another element. Uh, and the kind of startups are all over the map. Uh, sometimes they're in ocean technology, sometimes yeah. they're in just an IT application. Yeah. Uh, and so we will kind of finance that infrastructure, call it, and then yeah. the startups themselves. Uh, so really quite, uh, so, and we're also doing things, for instance, on, on immigration, which we didn't used to do 18 months ago. So with immigration, we get all the graduates we, uh, in the university staying here, working, et cetera, we still won't have enough people. Uh, and if we uh, can keep all the foreign students that are here, we're still we're going to have a hard time meeting yeah. uh, uh, the, the, the human resource challenge. So one of the things we're doing is funding these uh, study and stay programs. So we're actually picking some foreign students saying, okay, let's take you out, let's Let's introduce you like we do with, yeah. uh, on these bus tours to companies, see if they want to hire you early on, and get give them an appreciation of what's here yeah. so that they actually stay here. So we're right. spending about a million dollars a year uh, pushing that those kind of uh, yeah. uh, their young foreigners because we need them all. Yeah. A lot of these jobs, are they in cities or are they rural no. areas? They're all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the nice thing is they... The labor shortages are probably just as bad in rural areas yeah. as they are in the cities. Uh, but I've, I don't know how many employers I've talked to that just can't find enough people. In terms of why you know, people don't know about these things, etc., you got to understand from the employer's point of view, all this is so new. Yeah. Uh, we are going through a sociological, a, an immense sociological uh, change. For 80 years, we said, we need employment, we don't have jobs. Mm. And only in the last three, four years, that's completely untrue now. Yeah. Uh, but the employer, uh, the thought that they have to go out and really actively recruit and tell people about yeah. those things. For the employer to understand that, yes, I should automate, 
but I don't know how, yeah. and I'm afraid of doing it, and you know, I, I don't know anybody that has, or if I have to bring in an immigrant, I don't, nobody I know has ever done this. Yeah. And so there's this whole fear of the unknown, mm. getting sure. employers to, to move forward. Yeah. I was saying when we got this bus tour of, of students at, uh, uh, at Mount A going to the, when we went to the employer saying we'd like to bring them, employer said, love to. Yeah. They never thought of doing it themselves. It's because the, before the, the people to come it. to them to fill the jobs, exactly. they don't need to fill their own they jobs. They never had to do this before. So yeah. this fundamental cultural change is the same thing with students to say, you know, really, there's all those interesting things. What should I do to go find out? Yeah. Because so you need a matchmaker here. Well, like, sometimes it's maybe you know uh, what you do yourself is going to use some bad language saying. You know, you go kick in the ass. And Get up on your butt. And but go it. find it. Yeah, because there's, there's everybody's at fault here. Mm. And, but it's also because it's so new. This 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 conversation we could not have five years ago. Yeah, and and so it's that's the point, and that's where Akoa is trying to be a thought leader, saying you really have to change. You have to understand. Yeah. and and define the new problem, and it's the new problem, yeah. and it's. It's get rid of that fear and change the way you've done things for 60 years. Mm. That, that takes time, and it happens slowly. Yeah. It's gaining momentum. It's not where it needs to be yet, but it's, it's, I told you yesterday, I met with 14 employers, had this talk, and they all said, yes, that's our problem. Yeah. And all of them started to say, yeah, maybe I have to do something about recruiting. Maybe I have to do something about being uh, immigration. Maybe I have to really look at automation. But all of which is very new to us. Yeah, and they scope it out. So what, like, in a broad sense, like, what role do you think students will come to play in this? And I think it will certainly be beneficial as well with helping this process along because students are the ones uh, so well-versed in this so dynamic change. The, I think what we did with um, uh, Mount A is a really good example. So yeah. as a student union, I'd be saying, yeah, we're going to organize some bus tours mm. uh, and, you know, work with the local. There's lots of people that say, you know, find me five or six uh, employers that want to do this uh, that are, have interesting jobs. You'll find them very quickly. So for even a student union to think, wow, that's something I could do. Your radio show, the fact that we're talking about it, is exactly. a very important first step in yeah. uh, saying, okay, well, how do we get ourselves organized? Yeah. Uh, so students have to do that, but employers have to do that. Yeah. But the willingness today of employers is so much different than it was five years ago. Yeah. And, and why would you know that? Yeah, exactly. And is there specific industries, just for the context of this, any students watching this, for automation? or is, oh, I imagine it's the whole swath of things. It's everything. Yeah. Like you've got Michelin down the road. You've got uh, uh, Scotia Gold. Did you see what we're doing on automation with Scotia Gold? Like, what? apples? Really? Yeah. Uh, and just think of the quality issues they've got. Think of all the orchard operators and what they do have to do to mechanize and to get efficient, okay. et cetera. What they have to do for marketing, what they have to do for sales. How they use social media yeah. all these things are there yeah and, and it's right at your uh, fingertips right, right at your fingertips and I mean this is exactly what uh, I mean Jay was saying with 
um, our technology that we hold here revolutionizing uh, traditional processes. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned when you went into major drilling, and you said it was, it was Frank that asked you yeah. to go into that. Uh, you said, once again, look, Frank, I'm not qualified for this job. I have no clue about drilling. I don't do drilling. Um, however, uh, when I was doing a little bit of digging about this, you started there in 2000. So in 1999, the year before, they reported a net loss of $15 million. In the next eight years, you turned it around to a net income, a net profit of $75 million. And you knew nothing about drilling. So on, on your level, on a personal level, what is it that made that happen? So everywhere I go, uh, I have a little methodology yeah. uh, that I use. It comes from a guy at Queens, Ken Wong. Uh, and there's only three business strategies in the world. You got to figure out which one it is, and then operate that way. Okay. So I give you uh, I, at the McCain Institute. I give a whole morning on here's how it works. Here's how it's a methodology and how you think about business, yeah. the business strategy. Don't have enough time to do it here, but I do those lectures all the time. So back in um, in in two thousand eight. Um, it, you were voted the Atlantic Canadian CEO of the year, yeah. and then 2013 the Entrepreneur of the Year. Yeah. So, um, just for us watching, like to look at the commemorable attributes of a successful manager yourself. What is it that got you uh, those awards and, and and got you that recognition? And uh, listen, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I come back to, you know, I'm curious. It's yeah. still right. So. I like to know what people are doing. Like I walk into offices here, but I did everywhere. What are you doing right now? Why don't you tell me about it? Uh, and and you, you're always surprised how much you learn by asking questions and listening. Oh, yeah. And I suppose, you know, um, they say communication is key uh, when you're a CEO or a leader, et cetera. The biggest part of communicating, though, is listening first. And, yeah. and oh, yeah. opening your ears and looking. I, I, you know, could go into, I'm not an accountant, but somebody said in, in the storeroom there's a million dollars worth of stuff and the pile was that big. I said, uh, the pile's going to be a lot bigger yeah. I'm being robbed yeah. or it can't be. Like, So it's just poking around, getting out there. Yeah. So how to find a job? Get out there and go see people. Yeah, they're there. I mean, the rest lies up yeah. to you, it yeah. seems. Yeah. So to close this, um, put a nice little bow on it. Is there any ending advice? I suppose that was pretty good. Yeah. Or, or lessons from your life? Or Be curious. Be curious. Yeah. Thank you very much for being here with me, Francis. Thanks. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. That was an awesome interview with Francis, and I really appreciate him making his time for me. Very insightful, to say the least, in the, the job market in Atlantic Canada, where we're going, strong points, the, the role students play, and, and the crucial point of, of innovation and making that happen. And it, it was our first video interview, and rightfully so. We got all the hiccups out of the way. I mean, the, the cameras crashing, the mics were breaking, everything was going wrong. So it did, all in all, it was a pretty wholesome experience. We got what we came for, and once again, I am Brendan McNeil for the Exchange Podcast. I'll see you guys next time. The Exchange Podcast is produced by the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration using studio facilities provided by Axe Radio. This is a volunteer production. If you would like to donate to help support the Exchange Podcast, please see Podcast under the News and Events tab on the business homepage at business.kdu.ca. Thank you. Exchange would like to thank Paul Callahan. Jonathan Campbell, Kendra Carmichael, Dwayne Curry, Ian Feltmate, Mike Kennedy, Ryan McNeil, Michael Shepard, and Connor Viber. 
Music is Pickup Truck by Silent Partner, accessed copyright-free at the YouTube Audio Library. Follow the Exchange Podcast on the News and Events tab on the business homepage or at SoundCloud under Exchange. Until next time, I'm Brenda McNeil, yours in Acadia's Spirit.